0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tim Wendelboe coffee podcast. You might hear some bird noise in the background because I'm actually sitting on top of a volcano in El Salvador, together with Diego Barona. Hello Diego. Hello Tim.
1: Who are you? Who I am? That's a good question. <laughs> I'm uh, the Barahona. I'm a fifth generation producer uh, here in Los Salvador. Um We're here at Los Pirineos, surrounded by actually, I think, seven volcanoes, one is active still. we um, near Berlin, uh, Alegría, Santiago Maria. We're here, uh, we're seeing the, all the
0: African drying beds. I think for you it's been uh, three years, right? Since you've. Got- since I was there, yeah. yeah. And actually, three years ago, I recorded an episode with your dad yeah. uh, in 2020. Uh, we have to talk about your dad. But yes, we no, maybe, I would love to talk about it, We can because... maybe start talking <laughs> a little bit about the farm first because, yeah. uh, as you said, we're in Los Pirineos. Yeah. A farm that I've been buying from for since 2011, we figured out yesterday. Yeah, yeah 2011. And uh, you can actually smell a little bit of sulfur here because it's very near an active volcano, as you yes. said. Yes. And it's actually, the whole farm is a volcano. Exactly. And uh, if
1: you've seen the news, uh, it's been really active in the in the recent weeks, in the past weeks. You tell me today? Yes, <laughs> surprise. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you have an escape plan. It's funny, like last night I was uh, checking my phone, and I was seeing uh, Instagram and people were posting that the volcano was like uh, throwing like smoke and I was oh, like, wow. I, how did I miss this? <laughs>
0: Let's hope that nothing bad happens. But
1: we should be fine.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's a beautiful view. Yeah. Uh, I missed the sunrise, but you were just watching it. Though. Yes. <laughs> We're doing my favorite activity, which is drinking coffee on the farm. Yeah, we're enjoying a uh, finca tamana, a pink and red bourbon right now. Yeah, and I wanted to show you that because you have one of the best bourbons that I know of. Thank you. The Bourbon Elite. Elite. Do you know anything about the Bourbon Elite? So I, uh, what I was told by my father
1: and, and my um, team members recently, uh, Bourbon Elite means it's the, orig- I call it the OG bourbon that was introduced here many years ago. The one that comes from Isla Reunion. So the DNA is the pure DNA, let's say, in a way. Uh, it's the one before Katisi was introduced, and the other hybrids were introduced. So the Bourbon trees here at Bourbon Leaf, um, I believe they are at least 80 to 100 years old. Mm. So we just prune them every time, and they keep on giving and giving. Yeah. Uh, they are a bit susceptible to, to rust leaf, but yeah. the quality is super, super good.
0: Yeah, and that's the reason why I started buying coffee here, actually. Yeah. Um, I first bought the coffee from your dad at the Cup of Excellence, which for the listeners who don't know what that is, it's a coffee auction that kind of uh, picks out the best coffees in a given country uh, every year uh, by a national jury. And then an international jury comes to select the very best ones, and the very best ones are auctioned out on the internet. This was, you know, back in 2011. And back then the internet was quite new, I have to say. So this was kind of groundbreaking when it started. It started in the early 2000s. And your dad, Hilberto Barona, has been in the competition, I think, the, the most awarded one, I guess. Yeah. He never won, but he was... I think that he
1: won second place. That was his, his, his best uh, placements yeah. in 2019. Yeah. And honestly, Cup Excellence was, uh, I think, the reason why he became who, who he became was because of Cup of Excellence was a great, was a gateway for him to, like, this whole world and gave him, like, a huge name.
0: Yeah. I remember when I bought his coffee, was, probably that like the 30th place or something yeah. it was not top 10. Yeah. but I just really enjoyed the sweet the flavor of this coffee yeah. and that's kind of why I wanted to come and visit to see you know what why is this coffee so different from yeah, the others. others and what I realized back then is what it was one of the few coffees from this region. Yeah most of the coffees back then in the competition were from um, what's it called Santa Ana? Santa Ana and I think I believe uh, Chardonnango. Yeah yeah which super nice coffee yeah, really good but uh, was just maybe not what I was looking for yeah. here in El Salvador. It's funny, like because um, we're
1: on this part of the, of the country, the Cappuccino Meca, We are known, like Paul was saying it, like, last night, um, the profile here, like you say, it's sweetness. Like Sweetness is, is really predominant uh, mm. flavor in the in the in, in every cup, to be honest. Yeah. And also in the cherries. In the cherries, oh yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, the geisha cherries. <laughs> we went a little ballistic yesterday, eating uh, a lot of cherries, I think we, cherries. I think we have a really high level of, of caffeine in, the, in their bodies, yeah. too. <laughs> All right, but uh, you you said you're the fifth generation, fifth generation coffee yeah. farmer. Yeah. Can you explain a little bit to our listeners uh, the story behind that? Because uh, you're just 28 years old. i 28 years old, yeah. I'm a very um, young farmer. Is very, it weird to call yourself a farmer? It is really weird because
1: one, I didn't see myself as a farmer at, at my age. So I became a farmer, coffee farmer, uh, when I was 25 years old, back in 2020, um, by, by destiny. Yeah. My life, uh, my, my life completely uh, turned around. My father passed away with COVID in 2020. Uh, so I was faced by a really hard decision. I was living in Barcelona at the time. I was working as a SAP consultant, doing a master's in SAP, like completely different with, with coffee. So I was deciding whether should I just like pursue my, my own thing in Spain, Barcelona, do my own life there, or come back and take over. Um, it was really tough decision. I thought at first to just sell everything and maybe just to do my thing, but like um, I think honestly, this special place really deserved me to, to give it a try. I realized I have nothing to lose. I think I'm gonna learn a lot by the process, even if I fail. I was okay. I give it a try but it's been three years now and i'm really really happy that i came back and took over because
0: wow it's really fulfilling to, to see this this beautiful place uh, thriving yeah i i think a lot of our listeners and fans and uh, also a lot of coffee people are happy that you decided yeah. to pursue <laughs> yes. the coffee farming life because we all love your coffees thank you uh, and uh i mean your dad was a legend in yes he was the a legend. industry here so bringing uh, or keep taking his legacy to the next level, I think uh, yes. everyone enjoys that. And yeah, no. it, it's not uh, something uh, that is uh, given because no. not a lot of young people like to go into coffee.
1: Yeah, because we talk about this yesterday, it requires a lot of patience. This is a huge patience, I guess, uh, industry or, or job to be here because uh, it's really demanding. I made a lot of sacrifices in my, in my life um, taking over. But in the end, like patience really rewarding in the end. Mm. I'm really happy because, I mean, I was really scared because my father was a huge icon, like a, like a legend. So I was really scared, like, because I had, I mean, still need to, like, fill him some really big shoes still. Yeah. But it's really motivating too. To
0: in Norway, we say it's like jumping after Virkula. And for those of you who don't know, Virkula, Virkula was a great ski jumper. Oh, yeah. Like a legend. <laughs> and uh, every time he jumped, he always won. So if you were after him, it was kind of it's like... It's yeah. So, um... Uh, but you didn't make it pointless. Yes, I think uh, actually, uh, and uh, I know that this is also because a lot of the work your dad did. But yeah. for the last two years, the coffee from this farm has never tasted better. Yes, and yeah, I think that's a great point to, to
1: like um, to emphasize. I think I'm enjoying the fruits of his labor that yeah. he like he left, and now I'm really enjoying them. So now I have to like like we were talking last night like, where
0: where I go from 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 here? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's a difficult question. Yeah. Like, yeah. uh, so can you explain a little bit, uh, because you have, at least what we talked about yesterday, you have a pretty clear vision of what you want yeah. this farm to be. Yeah. And uh, we talked about like being focused on quality. Quality oriented. Uh, but maybe you can explain a little bit, because you, get, you obviously get a lot of visitors. Uh, I guess as a coffee buyer myself, I like to try to influence farmers to do stuff in the way that I would <laughs> like it to be done. Yeah. And I've done a lot of that in the past, but maybe now you're in a position where you don't really need to change that much. Yeah. But, uh, so can you just explain a little bit what's yeah. your main focus on this? So time? honestly, um, like I feel like
1: uh, we all want to be big in the end, but honestly, I really want to be focused on quality. Quality-oriented is my, my main, main focus. Pure, pure quality. Um, because I feel like one you start getting too big, quality starts to dilute. So I want to be really careful how how I grow. Yeah. So quality range is goal number one, and then our talk was really good. Like I really want to start exploring with, with organic Great. Uh, matter. <laughs> I'm very happy about it. No, like I told you, like uh, pr- production costs are triple for us. Yeah. And um, why is that? Fertilizers. <laughs> fertilizers. Yeah. Chemical fertilizers. They have tripled. They're like it's insane. Um, so, I mean, for now, we can afford it, yes, but, like, it's not going to be a sustainable thing in the future. Yeah. So, I'm trying to, thanks to you, I think I have a lot to explore right now and see how it can, like, bring our cost lower, but do not sacrifice quality in yeah. production.
0: That's always, uh, I think, the key. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is not going to be an episode about organic farming, but uh, <laughs> from what I learn about proper organic practices is that you actually get... Uh, high Nutrient levels in uh, the food, mm. and also that will happen with the coffee. Yeah. So, you can only expect the quality to go up if you do it right. Yeah, if you do it wrong, you're gonna yeah, suffer a little bit. Yeah, so that's, um, but I think you know, that's looking at this farm, you have the potential. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's hard for the viewers to see when we're listening to our podcast, okay. but uh, just post a picture after. <laughs> yeah, I will for sure. I mean, yeah. uh, the farm is full of shade trees, uh, it's quite dry in this area, but yeah. still, and you don't have water on the farm, but still, it's quite green and lush and uh, just because you have a lot of shade, you know, I think you uh, will definitely be able to do organic practices more easily. Yeah, because you said
1: uh, to me like, yeah, the soil here is super uh, virtuous, it's it's amazing,
0: like it really gives back to you, so why not? It's one of the few places where you can actually say that you have proper uh, volcanic soil.
1: Yeah, exactly, it's actually volcanic soil, pure.
0: A lot of times people say all this coffee grows on the uh, mountain slopes in organic, yeah. no uh, volcanic soil. And then there's no volcano in the nearby. I mean, yeah. maybe there was <laughs> volcanic, you know, thousand really years old. ago, but uh, yeah, here yeah. it's a uh, proper volcanic. And you had like a volcano uh, ash here once, I think. I th- it was 2015. Actually, yeah. the same volcano, the, the San Miguel volcano
1: erupted. and got some ashes here. Luckily, nothing bad happened. Yeah. yeah. It was actually good for the soil.
0: Yeah. It can also be bad. It can be bad. If it rains, it's like cement. Cement, yeah, Yeah. and it destroys crops. Yeah, Yeah. it's not very good. Not good for you. So uh, maybe uh, our subscribers, at least, they uh, have tasted a lot of different varieties from this farm. Uh, You have Sudan Rume, you have SL28, you have Geisha, you have Bacamara, you have... uh, uh, How many varieties do you have at the moment? I believe we have 80
1: in total, but in production and, and field production, we have 25 of them already. 25? 25 in full production. Wow, yeah. how, how do you keep track of that? We have a really good uh, system. <laughs> yeah. We, um, the way we farm here, um, we try to keep a really clean lots, meaning that we have to separate varieties in a clean way. That way, when we pick coffees, it's easy to separate them. That when we can keep like a really good traceability in the
0: cup and in the whole production system. And how does the picker know uh, which coffee is which?
1: Our farm manager, he knows where we have everything. Yeah. I've, I've n- I now know where, where it's all located also. So and by looking at the cherries, it's also really, really good, though.
0: Yeah. Sometimes tasting them as well. Oh,
1: yes, the and the So which one is the best one you have here? OK, for me, I have two bourbons and Sultan en Those are my main two cups here.
0: But you're still producing a lot of pacamaras? Yeah, pacamaras, yeah. Which is probably the one that you're most famous for?
1: Yeah, because I actually learned this last year. Uh, I learned that pacamara was first introduced here at the Pyrenees. This is where the first trials were made. Oh, really? Yeah. Ah.
0: Yeah. That's why you have a very good one. Yeah. 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 And uh, are you going to plant more varieties or what's the kind of future of this farm? So I've been
1: debating where to go from now. Um, I have, a friend I picked four to pet on. Uh, bourbons, spaghettos for sure, because they're super consistent and good production. And then I've noticed amazing production and quality from pink bourbon and orange bourbon. So you're gonna only do those for now, yeah? Oh yeah. wow, yeah. No hybrids. Maybe uh, I, I. But I would do some trials on hybrids also, just to see. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because the elephant in the room, I guess, is uh, leaf Hybr- rust. Yes. How do you battle that? I mean. Uh, again chemicals (laughs) yeah (laughs) but I I do believe uh, hybrids are the future though you think so yeah Yeah. so uh, maybe your bourbons and everything will disappear hopefully they don't but like I need to have a plan B also yeah yeah I normally recommend uh, farmers to diversify a little yeah to have at least some Some, hybrids hybrids, yeah. because uh, if you do have like a really bad leaf rust outbreak yeah like you said yeah uh, you don't want to lose the whole crop yeah and um so it's always smart to do that, but um, this is one of the promised lands that I'm uh, f- kind of, uh, I believe in myself personally, but I uh, can't really prove. Yeah. But um, when you do like proper organic farming, uh, you should have less disease because the trees are more healthy. More right? healthy. Um, and pathogenic fungi like uh, leaf rust is designed to take out unhealthy plants. Yeah. So um But, you know, I don't have any research to prove that. It's just you see that in other crops that do proper organic, that they have much less disease. Diseases. uh, Mainly due to high brix levels in the plants. Yeah. In the the leaves, right? You were saying? Yeah. So uh, there's some research done on that Mm -hmm. that is quite interesting, that uh, that suggests that insects, uh, a lot of the insects that eat leaves uh, are not able to digest leaves if the brix level is too high. Mm -hmm uh so that 's why they don 't eat it, yeah, and uh you can measure the bricks in a leaf pretty easily, and there 's like a threshold if you're above it, then you have less problems, and if you're below then you're <laughs> yeah, problems. <laughs> yeah so uh, but uh I mean this is not very uh, old research, so mm-hmm. I guess more research has to be done in this team yeah. um but I mean. Looking at your farm, I, and you, you, you're in a fortunate position where you have a very good team around you. Yeah. Maybe you can explain a little bit uh, about who they are and what they
1: do. And... Yeah. So I would say uh, I have three main teams. let say one is my team that I have back in the city in the office. Well, they are amazing. I mean, all of them are amazing, but they're amazing <laughs> in a way because uh, they really have uh, helped me a lot in the financial sense, uh, logistics sense, in the experience sense, on the permits. They've been really helpful. Really solid team. And then here at the farm, we have two teams. Uh, Say, so I have the, the farm team. I have a great uh, farm manager. Has been really, really helpful in, in helping me understand um, in terms of production, in terms of like applying for, fertilizers, uh, I can we lower costs a little bit. And then I have a meal manager who's he's really good at processing methods and drying methods. So I've learned a lot from from them. I, I can, honestly. I came into this with really r- low knowledge of this mm-hmm. i was scared because i had no idea how to run a, f- a coffee firm i mean i knew like the basics but like once being here i was like wow what have i gotten myself into yeah but they've been really really helpful like part of my success is hasn't been by me it's been by my entire team to be honest they've been really really loyal to me as well and uh, done the business
0: that's the same with me yeah like yeah yeah <laughs> the whole key to success is to have good people, good around, people you. around you yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't do everything yourself, no. especially like yeah. in your situation. No, I I learned how to delegate because it's yeah. really important. And I guess you have to trust them. Trust, trust is important. Yeah. Yeah. So you basically don't have any agronomy background. None. <laughs> no. Did you I, go to the farm a lot when you were younger? I, I
1: I used to come here, but like not as often as I wish I I would have before. Um, but I I think I by I call it by osmosis I um I acquire a lot of by my dad's knowledge a little bit, and I love to say this: I believe that my father lives on through my entire team. Because honestly, I feel like he made a great impact in on, on my employees and my my my, my team members. Um, and his vision lives through them. Mm. And I I think I respected a lot what he was doing because it was working. Now I need to see what's not working and change things. But like I've been respecting his way of uh, working.
0: Yeah. But you don't live on the farm, do you? I don't live on the farm. No. So how how do you manage to kind of manage it from a? a so one is trust. I yeah. trust my, my, my teams here,
1: but I come here every week, at least three days a week. Okay. Yeah.
0: Wow. That's, yeah. That's good. Yeah. I don't think. Uh, oh, maybe your dad did it in the last years, but uh. I, I think he was coming from Friday to Sunday. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but, by, but by the last two years, yeah. 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 because yeah, I remember in the beginning uh, he said that he didn't have time because no. uh, he also had an office job in the, in the city. I think he was coming here once a month. Yeah. And I don't know how he managed to do that because I don't think
1: once a month is not enough time. No, especially no. a project like this. No.
0: This project requires full time job. Yeah. It is a full time job. And maybe to explain a little bit, like um, many of our followers see that I buy from like Colombia and Honduras and. Uh, every farm is very different Um, this farm i have to say that it's it's more run like a professional business yeah Uh, how big is the farm um
1: i will say the entire area is 200 manzanas but productive areas under 80 manzanas uh, because we we have the mail and the house including um there's a lot of land like i told you that's nearby that i I could acquire in the future maybe i I could invest that in the future um but it's 200 manzanas in total area do you know how many hectares that is I i was told I think it's 130 hectares.
0: Yeah. I think that's the conversion. So just to give a perspective, the average size of a farm in Colombia is two hectares. Wow. So uh, they have maybe 10,000 coffee trees maximum. maximum and yeah. you probably have 100,000, maybe 100 more. 100,000 more, yeah. 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 So it's a big operation. It's a big operation. And uh, we're, we're kind of sitting uh, at the farmhouse, the old farmhouse that was refurbished uh, was, in, uh, yeah, this house a couple of years ago. Yeah, it was built in the 1950s, apparently. Like you were saying, it's so like a
1: really uh, Norwegian yeah, Danish style, Nordic right? Design, Nordic actually. side. <laughs> yeah.
0: But we're looking down at the like the operation of the farm, which is I guess the wet mill and the dry mill, which is also not so common to have on a farm. Like <laughs> most farms will have a wet mill where they process and dry the coffee, but they will send the green coffee or the dried coffee to a mill, a dry mill, some, somewhere in the city or you know, a commercial operation that uh, mills the coffee. But you do everything here on the farm, yeah? We do
1: everything here on the farm. My uh, dad was a visionary because this farm, uh, before he really took over, before two thousand I would say two thousand nine, when he shifted, um, it was only a farm that just produced cherries. Whatever it came, and just uh, took it to a big uh, exporter, a big uh, uh, producer, uh, processor plants. And um, but then he started investing more in machinery, so he built the wet mill and the dry mill, and he took control of the entire
0: production chain. Hmm. That's one of the keys, I think, for the high- for quality. Yeah, yeah, control everything. And uh, maybe you can also talk a little bit about the processes. I we know we touched on this in uh, episode five, which is very—it's three years ago now. Wow. Actually, <laughs> almost on the date. Uh, Actually, yeah. I asked March, your dad to yeah. explain all the processes and everything, but uh, you know, things change. Things You're a new change. farmer. I'm a farmer, yeah. Maybe you can uh, elaborate a little bit on the different processes you do and what's the difference between them. Yeah. So maybe you start with the natural, which is the uh, we're doing, okay, so I would say 60% of what we've been exporting
1: uh, natural coffees. Just pick the cherry and straight to the drying bed or patio sometimes, uh, And then we do the honeys where we pop the cherries and we be been uh, doing the black honeys, the yellow honeys, the red honeys, that um, we play around with the amount of mucilage that they, they bring and the shade also. So. A lot of the coffees we do here are shade dry, because like you're saying, slow drying really brings out a strong character and the shelf life is
0: amazing. Yeah, superior. Superior, absolutely. yeah.
1: For, it's guaranteed for sure.
0: So when you say black honey, does that mean more mucilage, more, muc- more shade? More mucilage
1: and more shade, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then yellow honey would be? It's less mucilage and complete sun-dried. Okay. Yeah.
0: You can see over there, you can see that. on the edge of the bridge, those are yellow honeys. Yeah. And uh, in my experience, it's hard to tell them apart sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> it's
1: honestly, it's more like a physical aspect. Yeah. For marketing purposes, sometimes we produce like, say, honey. Yeah. I would, I would say it's more like a, f- a processing method, just to like separate
0: lots. Yeah, and uh, I mean, we bought a black honey last year that tasted really clean. Yeah. And we had, a, I think, a yellow honey or a red honey that was, actually tasted more fermented. Yeah. So sometimes so That's funny, happens. yeah. Yeah. But you know, I think it's all about, uh, you say, like mucilage levels mucilage and also levels. The, the climate. The like climate, yeah. If it's a little bit more, um, less sun, I yeah. guess you will get more fermentation. Because here,
1: because funny, we are like almost like next to the ocean. We're like in the, you know, in the wind tunnel. Sometimes we get like a lot of like cloudy weather yeah. uh, during drying, like in a in dry season. So sometimes it takes a while to dry coffee because it gets really cloudy. I think we had uh, like two weeks uh, back in February that we couldn't dry any coffees. It took forever to dry coffees. Yeah. Wow, yeah. yeah, that's bad. Yeah.
0: But you don't do any mechanical drying? No, we don't, no, no, we don't. I know you have a mechani- mechanical we, we, do have
1: yeah. Honestly, we, we do have one. Honestly, like, we do have one, but we don't use it to be honest. No. Yeah, maybe you could
0: uh, turn it into a roaster instead. Maybe, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Use extra roasted
0: coffee. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a drum. It, and it's, it's a, a drum, yeah. yeah. Maybe we'll have to. I think my honestly, I think my father used it probably once in fifteen years. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's a good backup. Like, let's say you have rain, you know, the whole entire. You drying never. Season. Yeah, you 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 never know. Yeah. And then you do what you call washed, we but do the uh, wash coffees. it's not really 100% washed. Can you explain the washed process? Yeah. So we, the washed process is you get the cherries, you
1: pop it, and then you ferment it in the, in, the, in the pilas, uh, you, you take and you wash them with water. You take all the mucilage off. Um, but here we don't do like the fully, fully washed. Why? Because we don't have too much water, so we have to be really smart at water usage. Um, this entire mountain range has no access to water. So we have a water reservoir, we call it rainwater. We collect a million gallons of water wow. in, in the, just in the water reservoir. And we use it for the whole operation, so we have really limited access to washed coffees. A
0: million gallons doesn't seem like unlimited, but... Uh... Yeah, but, but we, <laughs> I swear uh, yeah, to you, we use every single drop of, <laughs> mm. of rainwater. Because <laughs> there, there's a lot of coffee. A lot of
1: coffee, yeah. yeah. And I, um, I really like washed coffees, honey's coffees as well. So I've been doing more wash coffees in the past two years, so I've been using even more water. That's music to my ears. Right? (laughs) I I know you like that.
0: (laughs) I mean, I I actually have enjoyed some of the naturals here. Yeah. Uh, It's just uh, normally I prefer the wash coffees, and that's why we buy them. Uh, I think uh, I remember your dad starting doing naturals uh, in small quantities. And then uh, he he realized that uh, he could take some of his... uh, uh, not so great tasting coffees mm-hmm. and turn them into a very appealing product yeah. to clients who really want natural yeah. processed coffees. And that's
1: a great segue to, uh, to the other processing methods, uh, yeah. fermentations.
0: Not saying that they're either bad coffee. No, yeah, of fact. course. They yeah. also
1: do great, great, great yeah. naturals. Uh, yeah, and honestly, um, going back to the processing methods, I'm really oriented in producing clean cups. You know, they can be naturals, they can be black honeys, wash, anaerobic, carbon macerations. but my main goal is to make them clean, Okay. Yeah. Respect the terror.
0: You do a little bit of carbonic maceration as well? We do. Yeah, we do. We do. Can you explain what that is? What is carbonic maceration? What does it mean? What it means? uh, Honestly, I'm not very technical, but what we've
1: been doing is we put the the fresh picked cherries in barrels and we inject CO2 gas to the barrels. Uh, We've been doing two to three days in the barrels. Then we take them out and we do your natural carbonic maceration or then we do honeys and wash just to see, um, just to like offer different lots of carbon macerations, but always with a mindset of having clean
0: cups. So basically to simplify, you're fermenting the cherries, fermenting the cherries. before you decide which processing method exactly. to it's
1: a Exactly, it's a pre-step before doing washed or honeys or even natural sometimes. But you don't call it anaerobic? We do anaerobic. What I learned from my father, that anaerobic was only put in the barrel, and you,
0: uh, with the bulb, you let the, the gas go, go out of the, uh, yeah. of the tank. But carbonic maceration is anaerobic because you introduce CO2. I yeah. mean, yeah. it's yeah. the same in, in, thing. In the end, it's the same thing, yeah. Fermentation is, fermentation. by definition, anaerobic. It's like saying yeah. fermentation is it's like saying TT tea, tea,
1: like chai, chai tea, I think. A, yeah, yeah, a, yeah. Chai, yeah. Tea. chai tea. Or non-bread.
0: Or non-bre- <laughs> non-bread. <laughs> bread, bread. Bread, bread, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so, playing um, around with
1: those processing methods as well. Always um, trying to produce clean cups uh, because I feel like sometimes when you do it a little bit overboard the terroir kind of gets altered and you really get to enjoy the terroir so uh, I'm trying to find ways to play around and not hide but like um, potentiate more like the terroir and and the the attributes of the
0: coffee and when you say terroir you mean uh, variety and the interaction with its environment exactly yeah Yeah. I mean uh, I never ever thought I would say this but I enjoyed drinking a carbonic macerated coffee nice. yesterday. everybody. You're witnessing uh, <laughs> an amazing moment with Timo here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> History is made. History is made here in Pirineos. But you had uh, two coffees, uh, three coffees actually. Yeah. One was a little too much for me. Yeah, you totally had. But uh, it was the Sudan That was really nice. Yeah, wash one also. Um, no. But uh, um, Ethiopian Harar. I think this is, for me at least, the future of these type of processes because yeah. you like you said it didn't go overboard yeah you used it as a technique to refine the refine. coffee a little bit yeah to add a little bit of complexity without yeah. kind of covering the Cover flavors of the th- coffee yeah so i could still taste that it was a sudan romay very clearly yeah. but it also had a little bit of nice fruitiness uh, not th- none of this kind of yeah more uh very overripe fruit yeah. flavor
1: yeah and i think to, to like Give a shout out. We have to all this to, to such as He yeah. was a huge influence in this farm. Yeah. these processing methods come from him, and so thanks to him, my dad was able to learn all these methods. So this comes back to, to him and his vision of. Pro- but he processing. likes it more
0: more uh, pronounced. It's it's a different profile yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, it's a different profile. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I don't really mind that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Just I, a profile I, for everything. When I have problems with it, it's normally when I go to a coffee shop and they only have that. Yes. Yeah. And uh, as a coffee drinker, I don't tend to like those coffees. So, yeah. um, which is fine. Uh, yeah. I also am not the best fan of uh, a lot of natural. Naturals, naturals so yeah. I really uh, think it's uh, uh, kind of excluding some customers if you only, serve those, only serve those. coffees, yeah. But it can also be a choice, like if you just want those customers, fine.
1: And that's what I love about this farm. Like we are able to produce everything. Yeah. You know? Everything, everything. So that's really cool to do the really boutique lots and, and, and cater to, to different profiles
0: of, of, of tastes yeah in the world it's a bit like winemakers yeah but i i also have a um, there's two philosophies here yeah. you can either please everyone which will be impossible <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're never gonna make <laughs> everybody happy or you can build a name and brand like you have done yourself yeah. and say okay these are the processes we do yeah take it or leave it yeah exactly yeah you're able to sell you're in a fortunate position yes. where you're able to sell everything yeah really
1: really lucky position and thanks to people like you and, and our clients, I've been getting a lot support the last three years, being able to like, keep thriving. Yeah.
0: I mean, you produce good coffee, that's what happens. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and consistent quality. Consistent, yeah. It's yeah. really it, important because it's every single year, consistency. It didn't used to be uh, as predictable as it is today. Like, uh, I have some examples of coffees that we bought from here. And when they arrived, they were a little faded. And yeah. And like you said, your dad was here maybe once a month in the beginning. Um, The coffees didn't necessarily get well processed. Yeah, But uh, he's one of the, you know, he was very, very eager to change uh, for the better. So you see like shade nets. I remember we introduced those. Yeah, shade nets. uh, That was
1: you, right? Yeah, yeah, we talked about the
0: shade drying because we did the trials at the Caberos farm. Farm. And he really loved the idea. And uh, I kind of suggested to do a trial with, like, a couple of beds in shade to start carefully, you know? I was hidden. And then I come, like, (laughs) the next year and it's, like, full of shade (laughs) everywhere. (laughs) Were you happy? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, of course. (laughs) I mean, your dad never did anything, uh, like, halfway. He, like, went all in all the time. I told you, like, I have a vivid memory of of being with you in a car back in
1: 2013 or 14. I I think you got a car for a while and we were talking and you were, like, really happy and saying that he was... uh, one of the few that actually listened to you and like was willing to, to
0: try things, yeah, yeah, and, and that's really good. I think, uh, his, and, and I was not the only client, like, he yeah, had several clients, yeah, uh, with suggesting different a lot suggestions, things, yeah, which you know has made this farm quite famous, yeah. But I think the vision he had, uh, no one really saw that vision or the end of the vision, no. um, uh, until like recent years, where probably like 2019 ish it started to like everything f- fell into its place and like uh, yeah. new varieties started coming out yeah uh, it takes time to kind of develop a production of new varieties
1: yeah because you gotta see how they're going to behave because these varieties are not n- native to a Salvador so you have to like actually see if they, uh, they want to be uh like properly uh giving good production Gonna be, how's she gonna treat them, how's the sun? Because here, as like you say, it's, it's kind of harsh weather because it's something pretty really hot. Yeah. So, like the ketchup for example, we didn't, we didn't know how it's gonna behave, but luckily it's behaving really well. Yeah. And so the for also is also really thriving. So it took a while to like see like, the
0: Frankenstein experiments of, 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 the, of this new coffee. Yeah. I, I have been waiting for so many years <laughs> to taste, you know? Yeah. I remember we did uh, the first cupings, uh of uh, different varieties yeah. on this farm. We had like uh, two full days uh, of cupping in 2015 and 2016. Yeah. We also did some in 2014, but small samples of uh, varieties from his, from your variety garden, yeah. and trying to kind of find which are the best ones. Yeah. And Hilberto would just cup once, go through the table, <laughs> and like this is the best. <laughs> is the best <laughs> no analyzing or anything. He just wanted something that was like loud and yeah. clear. Yeah. Um, but you took your time, right? I always took my time yeah. because I. I Thought you know maybe there is some uh, potential that we're not seeing uh, because it's it wasn't necessarily the best process. It mm-hmm. was very very small lots, like a couple of hundred grams of each. Yeah. So we repeated that, but uh, I remember like all the geisha and the maracaturas and everything. And I've been waiting ever since, you know. And you but never see the coffees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it takes time to develop. Takes takes a sure. lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. I know, like in Colombia, we use maybe five six years from when we plant until we have a small production. Yeah. And uh, Moises in the Cabero farms, uh, he says, you know, it normally it takes 10 years to develop a new, good production of a... 10 years? Yeah. I, I think, it's, yeah, it's true. Because you start with small quantities to see how it goes. Yeah. And then if it goes well, you plant a little bit more and then yeah. you have to wait another couple of then years.
1: Then you wait for the variety to actually like, like adapt to the, to the
0: climate and yeah. everything super interesting yeah but not many people have the patience as you say
1: this is a patience um, game and i think b- people my, my my age my generation uh patience is not a <laughs> common thing <laughs> i didn't want to say it no <laughs> you, no, you, no. You didn't i did not want to say it i <laughs> i have to say it <laughs> yeah we, because we grew up in the i guess in the internet age you yeah. know and we we get things immediately and this is not a
0: thing you get immediately yeah so you didn't really envision your life on a farm at all? Nope. not maybe, maybe in my late 30s, but like not when I was 25 years old. <laughs> yeah. Can you kind of dig a little bit deeper into the process of like when you took over the farm, like, uh, you know, how did you approach it as an unexperienced uh, yeah. farmer? Like what would you were uh, in kind of in the middle of a harvest or at the end of the harvest, so the coffees were about to be sold or?
1: Yeah, so when I first took over it was like uh, it's uh, in Limbook because uh we were still like exporting. I think we needed to export your, your, <laughs> your coffee still, we needed to export the Belco coffee, we needed to export, I believe, I think there's a container to Greece as well. So there's a lot of things going out and I was like, Okay, oh well, like I needed to like still uh fix prices, we needed to like still check on like uh um, quality still but i was still in spain so it was really hard to take over f- from there that's where my team took over a little bit sumara so and my, my team in, in, the, in the office were really 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 loyal to a sense uh, i was scared really scared yeah, i didn't know up. how to take decisions
0: yeah yeah i was scared of, of messing up but it all went well it all went well <laughs> yeah did you, did you get help from uh, i know that uh angel from belco was a little bit active yeah I'm I mean Belco I mean, I would say Belco, you and I like coffee.
1: I mean I would say every client we have been really, really helpful. They've been really loyal, they've been offering a lot of insights. Academy pro here locally, they've been super helpful with me as well.
0: Which is uh like a coffee academy. Coffee in academy. the same building, in, in the same building exactly, yeah.
1: Yeah, they've been awesome. Really, really awesome people. Yeah those are the coffees
0: we drank yesterday yes yeah they were really nice
1: yeah the, uh, I would say the best roaster here
0: I would say the best roaster is in Central America to be honest super super amazing roasters and then uh, after you kind of sold the coffee uh, you approached a new harvest yes then I like came back
1: I came back here October 2020 it's perfect time for just the beginning of the harvest and I think I told you like I approached this I took my, my ego aside I took my I'm I'm the owner I'm, I'm, the, I'm the new boss here. I took that aside and I uh, I've been working as a team with my entire team members, employees, and we've been taking decisions as a team. Yeah, and they
0: they accepted you as a leader.
1: Yeah, I was afraid because I mean, this kid comes in, takes over. Like, like who is this kid? Like, like has no knowledge of the farm or like, like like, why is he coming back and taking over? Like he has no knowledge. And I told him, I I know nothing. I need your help. And we've been taking uh,
0: decisions as a as a units, not not only me. I think that's really the key in coffee in general. Like, yeah. if you stay humble, that's yeah. when you kind of succeed. Yeah. If you go around thinking you know better than everyone else, like me, <laughs> <laughs> then uh, that's the key for disaster.
1: I think it's detrimental. Yeah, long term. Yeah, because you, you want to create teams. You, you don't want to destroy teams.
0: Yeah, I think. Uh, although I know your father kept some secrets sometimes. Yes. Um, <laughs> You know sharing is normally the way to success like when you share your knowledge and and also your lack of knowledge with yeah. people uh, that's when you normally grow in the mm. industry I, I i most of the times when i learn is when i visit farms and i ask questions as if it is the first time i'm on a farm yeah you always get new approach uh, new views and uh, kind of learn new approaches and uh, people have a lot of knowledge in coffee yeah even you know the farms that are not necessarily the most professional ones <laughs> yeah. and you ask you know why do you process the way this they, like this they, they, they have normally a have it. a reason for it yeah. yeah sometimes they don't at all <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> and that's bad <laughs> <laughs> because improvising <laughs> yeah but uh, there's a lot of uh, history and culture in, in yeah. coffee farming that uh, is kind of like uh, fairy tales it's a word-of-mouth thing yeah it's not necessarily research or anything but uh, you always have something to learn there's a question that I always get asked when
1: people come here visit me, they ask me how do I decide how to produce each lot that comes in every day and I, I told them I just improvise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. There, there's no like, like formula to like, okay, we're going to have to do this proper kind of maturation, honey, and are to do the black honey. We just like improvise but, uh, at the moment and that's cool because it gives like a really like, uh, it's inspiring and it's kind of like makes the job fun also. We get to like experiments on the, on the spots.
0: But do you ever get uh, lots that don't turn out to taste good? We do. Yeah. For sure. There's always like there's a margin of, of error always. Yeah. Uh, it always gets sold and in the can end. Can you then go back and see why it doesn't taste good or is it just by coincidence It's, it's coincidence. Yeah. 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 So you can't really design the coffee yet. No. What about the yeast? I know you've been uh, yeah. using yeast sometimes in fermentation. Well, I mean I've tasted it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the, the
1: you got the uh, the Geisha. Yeah. Yeast one. Um We've been doing for the past three years really small trials with, with this yeast called Lalcafe. Uh, Lalcafe is, is a brand name. And um, we've been doing trials with the, with the, their product called Sima. Mm-hmm. And we realized that the Sima yeast brings out a lot of like, like flower aspects. So we tried it with bourbons, pacamaras, and geisha, but we got the best uh, result with uh, the with, with geisha. It brings out more mm-hmm. uh, more of the flour and uh, like the brightness and, and like uh, like, like citrus flavors to it. Um, but we only do it in small amounts because you get the really yeast flavor to it, like, like like you were saying.
0: Yeah. People say you can't taste it, but you can taste you it. You can taste it definitely yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because it tastes like uh, it tastes like yeast. Yeah. Like yeah. A, and it smells like yeast. Yeah, yeast. Yeah. It's really distinct, especially when I have it on a coffee table with other that are not fermented. Fermented. With yeah. It pops out. It really, really pops out. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's really strong. Like a boom. It's really loud aroma but you don't use it a lot no 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 because it it takes a lot of work uh you have to buy the yeast you, you need a lot of space to do it so we just like we'll read small lots, just
0: like experiments yeah yeah all right so you don't you don't only produce good coffee you also produce some bad coffee oh yeah yeah for sure yeah <laughs> it happens <laughs> i think uh, what people um, don't realize is that even if you want to only produce the highest quality you, you're always left with a lot of kind of, not waste, but uh, lots that are not so good. Yeah. Uh, can you explain why? You know, why is this happening? You, you are a professional farmer. You have all the resources in the yeah. world to produce the best coffees. Yeah. Why, why are you still producing bad coffees?
1: People think that we export 100% of the harvest, but there's always like uh, cherries that didn't mature properly. There's cherries that got better because, so this year we got a rain in December and January. That's not really good. So we got some cherries that dried out on, on, the, on the plants. So that's a defect. Yeah. So we have to use that and just sell it locally as, as defects. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's always part of the harvest that's gonna not be expert quality
0: or like good quality. Yeah. For instance, when you when you see a coffee picking here on this farm, uh, you know everyone likes to take the photo when of the cherry sorting. Yeah. When the pickers are sorting the cherries before it's delivered. Because they have the volcanoes in the back, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's, it's a, a really photogenic photo. <laughs> farm. <laughs> it's Instagram farm. <laughs> but
1: what do you do with the cherries that you take out? So the green ones, with the yellow ones, the ones that mature, um, we have to sell them locally. Yeah. We, we, uh, we pop it to, to wash ones and just sell it locally. Okay. Yeah. But lower price them, for sure. You dry them on patio. We dry them patio, yeah. dry them patio, and sell locally. But if you can see when we are walking down it's a part, that's down by the entrance of the mill, yeah. it's not much of it, though. So. So we, we try to do a good picking, that way our, let's say, our uh, percentage of like expert cherries are, are like high. We're aiming for like 90% at least. So 10% it's not like expert quality. And is it difficult to get pickers? It's getting harder each year. Yeah. Uh, this year we we struggled. So we've been getting like, say, 60 people or more in the previous year. We got 35 to 40 this year. Oh, wow. It's getting harder. Uh, Migration is a huge issue. People are, leaving the, the towns, you're going to the so the states. Um there's a thing going on, uh this I'll say that the government's being bad in crime. So they've been really, really strict with uh with let's uh, say like security. So people are still afraid that they might get in trouble. So um people get spooked a little bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but you're still managing to produce with less people. Yeah. 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 And I noticed that like a lot of times when I'm here, I see the same faces. Yeah. Uh, so people who live around the volcano, they come and work. Yeah. So like I told you,
1: uh, part of the success also is because we've been getting the same people in the last five, six years. Yeah. So it's cool because we created this community here at the farm and they know how we work, what we expect. So we don't have to like, like for you, I guess it's also good. Like training new people is time consuming. Yeah. So we have the same people. So that's really, really uh, efficient way of working.
0: Yeah. And you're able to pay them a good, salary you know. salary yeah. yeah 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 that's nice i noticed like uh it was very kind of uh at uh, four o'clock it was quiet on the farm yeah quiet. yeah <laughs> <laughs> which is rare like uh in colombia as well like they stopped working at four but uh there's still a lot of people around you around, know and they're still yeah. eating and then they help out a little bit yeah. so activity doesn't really stop until sundown yeah um but here it's kind of like uh, more like uh office hours yeah we do 7 a.m to 4 p.m yeah with an hour lunch Hour lunch yeah, yeah. Yeah. And do they bring their own food? Or yeah, they bring yeah. their own food, yeah. yeah. So you
1: don't cook for them? No. There's no housing here and no, no no cooking food here. Yeah. No. Yeah. I feel like that's also has been since the beginning of the farm. I don't think there were never rooms here or, or food options here. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's a bit different from country to country. Also it's in Honduras, it's so not common to do it's that. It's
1: very different, yeah. I think Colombia is the opposite, right? They do offering housing. and.
0: Yeah, a lot of times uh, pickers will or workers will travel around because in Colombia there's always like a picking season somewhere. Yeah. yeah, somewhere. So people travel from region to region yeah. to, to kind of go where the, there is the most coffee because that's why they, they can pick a lot of coffee in a short time and mm-hmm. al- earn a lot of money yeah. in a short time. Uh, I'm not saying they earn a lot of money, but in like compared to the, the minimum wage, you can make uh, a lot of money in a short time mm-hmm. picking coffee. But it's really hard work, so people normally do it for like three, four weeks, and then they, and then they know, go go yeah. and do something else. But that's why they have to have like good dormitories and, and cook yeah. food, because people travel around like nomads almost. It's not a question, does that add like a cost to production? Yeah, it does. It does, yeah. And uh, Elias, that we buy from in uh, in Colombia, they yeah. provide free food and free free housing. Yeah, And it's good food. It, like, it's nice. Three meals that's, a day, very wow, good food. That's good. Uh, but a lot of farms, they deducted from the salary, also the housing. Um, so, it's kind of uh, a way for Elias to attract workers mm-hmm. uh, without, like, it's hard for him to pay, like, double the price. Yeah, because you're going to affect the entire... You, you affect the neighbors and they get missed off. Yeah. This stuff. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's a way for him to attract more workers. Yeah. Uh, and still, you know, there's people who don't want to go there to work because... Uh, we require them to sort cherries. Mm-hmm. Most farmers there don't do that. Yeah. So some pickers just don't want to do it, mm-hmm. which is fair. You know? Yeah, it's fair. But we also see a lot of the same faces there.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, it's good when you see the same people for long, for long years. That says a lot about
0: your, uh, your, your farming and your, your business. Yeah, Yeah. it's always a good sign. Yeah. So who's your clients? Where do you sell your coffee hmm. these days?
1: One of our, I mean, you for sure, Team Wonderbo directly to you. Uh, and then we work with Belco with, with ally coffee we're working with uh, project origin on the coffee in australia and the main sourcing some profits to kuwait and then to uh, to saudi arabia as well working with the uh, la torre and dutch
0: so it's mainly you're selling mainly to importers who resell i would say main of our, our business is with uh, importers. Yeah. yeah yeah and uh it's i guess it's easier than working with 20 different roasters or it makes my life easier <laughs> yeah i remember yeah. discussing this with your dad because he's he almost had like an existential situation where <laughs> do I go with selling directly to roasters? Because mm-hmm. a lot of roasters were asking for it, yeah. but they weren't necessarily big enough to do yeah. full containers, just like me. Yeah, and, uh, Or do I you know, let the people who sell the coffee take care of that, and then I'll take care of the kind of farming, farming side yeah. of it. I think it makes my life easier. And what I've been doing, because social
1: media is a, it's a wonderful thing, I've been getting a lot of people writing to me on on, on Instagram. Hey, I, I want your coffee. I'm like, okay, talk to Belko. Okay, talk to Ale coffee. Yeah, talk to Pro George. So it's cool, like, to create this like healthy circle of business. I get clients. I I, I connect them with the
0: importers. So that way,
1: we I win and and, and they win and makes my life easier as
0: well. Yeah. So uh, you know, some listeners might uh, think like, why don't everyone just buy direct? Well, the, the honest truth is logistics. Logistics. Yeah. yeah. It's difficult to if you just going to buy 20 bags of coffee yeah it's going to be difficult expensive and a lot of work to import and export it that's
1: why when you see direct trade like we're saying direct trade doesn't really i mean it could exist but like it's not really a common thing direct trade because not everybody has the capacity to buy a whole container of of the same farm yeah
0: yeah i mean we actually don't buy full containers exactly still yeah uh, but we're trying to get to that level. exactly but it's still direct it's still like a yeah Actually, this year is the first year I'm doing a full container from one origin, and it's from Kenya. From Kenya. So um, a full container in vacuum packs is 250 bags, and this this is the first time we were able to fill the whole container. That's awesome. So what we normally do is, uh, like in Colombia, uh, I buy 140 bags, and then uh, we have good colleagues in like Solberg and Hansen. Solberg, yeah. Or Kaffebrennerie, or Furen, maybe they have like 20, 30 bags that they want to get shipped, so we just... Consolidated container, yeah, uh, and it's not too much work, but it, it's a little bit of work and a little bit of risk, yeah. So, um, and that's why importers exist. You know? Yeah, people say you know we have to cut the middleman, and they're, the middlemen are bad, but sometimes they're also the facilitator for trade to happen. Actually, they're, I mean to be honest, I don't think
1: they're bad. I think they're helpful, and they, I feel like they have a really important position in the chain because they have the duty to create direct relationships you Yeah, know? that's really important on on their behalf because it's difficult for you to do that it's difficult Yeah. when you live here I, I don't have to I mean I don't get to travel like all that time and but they have the duty to, to
0: bring them to me yeah <laughs> yeah in, in a way I guess in a way it's more sustainable like if you were to fly you know every month to different countries to sell we broke already it yeah, will be broke, I'll be broke already <laughs> you will emit a lot of co2 exactly in that really sustainable <laughs> But you have gone to some trade shows already. Yeah, I went to
1: last year, I went to two. I went to the Boston trade show and then I went to Milan. So far a lot of Milan. I did a really, I think I went for like three weeks to Europe. I went to Barcelona, I went to Milan, I went to Gothenburg in Sweden, I went to Malmo, I went to Copenhagen, I went
0: to Hamburg. And how well has the entrance to the coffee community been? Has it been okay? Or
1: it was been really friendly. Yeah, <laughs>
0: really friendly. Yeah, that's good to hear. Yeah, I think
1: uh, for me, I, I had this like epiphany, like a uh, like a catharsis moment in Milan. I was like, because I went there after being working this two years and uh, seeing like my don't like, like my name in, in the bags and and meeting people who are buying my coffee in uh, in Europe, I was like mind blowing. It was really really nice and really uh, rewarding and, and feeling to be honest
0: yeah that's nice
1: a lot of friendly faces
0: could be intimidating you know really like, intimidating uh, yeah, yeah yeah. especially when you have uh, big shoes to fill and uh, yeah. not everyone knows you I, I know that uh, uh, my old boss was actually really cool he said he, he would always bring a full delegation yeah. from his company to the SEA or whatever yeah. and he had one rule and that was in the social context like yeah. if we had dinners or something you were not allowed to talk to another Norwegian person <laughs> because he really wanted us to to talk to other coffee people. To, to from, integrate. Yeah, from yeah. other countries. Yeah. And you see a lot of times, especially uh, coffee farmers, are very shy. Um, sometimes they come from small towns. They don't speak English very well. Yeah. And it's sometimes hard for them to uh, get into the Between conversation. To engage in conversation. Yeah. So he was a very... Uh, strict on that rule and i i mean i use that kind of mindset when i go yeah. to to coffee fairs i try to engage with people who seem to be a little bit outside uh, of their comfort, oh, zone. comfort zone yeah um, and because i always meet you know very interesting people yeah and sometimes you meet farmers like this yeah, uh, yeah. That are interesting to visit and yeah. yeah it's a good industry i think yeah
1: i'd say it's uh, like my father used to say he, he's I think his slogan was "the coffee is the industry of friends." I think that's yeah. That, that was his, uh, his his slogan and motto. And I think he
0: he he's correct. It sounds like your dad. He yeah. loved <laughs> hanging out with coffee people. And yeah, taking photos with them. And yeah, he, he took really bad pictures. <laughs> selfies. He took really bad selfies. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was good at coffee, but not good at selfies. <laughs> yeah, but it, one thing that I remember uh, well with him, he. Uh, every time I visited him he was always super busy with his job yeah because he also was involved in a lot of franchise yeah. business here yeah but he always had time to sit down and have like uh, long good conversations yeah not like the superficial, Beige, the superficial ones. ones yeah it was always to the point and I mean, we discussed a lot of business together and uh, he helped me a lot like guiding me in uh, de- decision making yeah and also uh, obviously we discussed Coffee farming, for sure. Coffee farm, yeah. Uh, and because we were old men, both of us, in the <laughs> end, we were always complaining about what's wrong and what's right, was, yeah, yeah. But, uh,
1: with these young people.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think uh, he was uh, opinionated uh, in yeah. a good way.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was really good. In, in, yeah, in the, in the, he was always giving good advice. To be honest, yeah, he gave me good advice always.
0: So where do you see yourself in the future now, like this project? What's the future for uh, both you and the, the farm? And Good question. Yeah, we talked before, uh,
1: organic farming. That's an interesting topic I really want to explore. Keep being consistent each year, high quality coffees. But then I'm excited for from, from my project, I told you. I want to maybe engage more in like a, like a boutique uh, tourism experience here at the farm. I'm really, really interested in potentiating the farm and the local area to bring more and more, more tourism to, to the area.
0: Nice. I mean, if you if you like hiking, I guess yeah. this could be a nice area.
1: Yeah, you're into sports yourself. I'm a, a triathlon. Yeah, fan. I love triathlon. I mean, I've been running for 15 years in my life, but then two years ago I got I got into triathlon, biking, and swimming, and wow, it completely changed my my life. And you take a lot of runs around the farm. I do a lot of hikes and, and I would say trail runs. It's, it's hard to run here because it's all hills and yeah. rocks. <laughs> but for me it's a great workout. When I go back into the city, I, I'm flying
0: on the on the. On the, on the streets <laughs> yeah of course yeah so you're thinking of having like a little uh, boutique hotel yeah so that normal people can come and enjoy the
1: farm yeah maybe um i was thinking of doing like a link to the harvest from, from november to like may now people get to see the entire picking season they get they get to try the cherries uh, they get to see the drying or the white mill the dremelin and i get to do like a really nice coffee experience tour here at the, at the farm so you're gonna be here every day then that's when
0: my mom needs to step in and help me. <laughs> so far, it's only me doing everything. I, I, I even need some help for that. <laughs> yeah, talk a little bit about that because you have a sister. I have a sister, yeah. And your mom obviously is also yeah. working in a different job. Yeah. Uh, what was their kind of uh, take when? Uh, were they considering also being involved in the coffee? Or
1: no? Okay, so it's it's a funny story. <laughs> when my father passed away, I was like still set on I was going to stay in Spain. Come, <laughs> my mom. Hey, my mom, I'm, I'm not coming back, and I could. F- hear her just like gasping <laughs> in the phone uh, so for the first month after my dad passed away i was like focused i was going to do my thing in spain um so we were there were two options either we saw everything or we got a another person to um i guess run everything but then i was like i took some deep time to think about about like what i was going to do in my life and i was like nah that's not the i feel like just staying there was kind of like just like it's the easy way out and just yeah. like uh it's like the I don't know like it's not brave to just run from, from problems and things i need to go back and face things and 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 run, run it if i want a challenge this is a challenge that destiny yeah
0: for gave sure me. and so also a family man. legacy to take it's a family
1: legacy exactly so if it's going to be somebody it needs to be me like a, a barraona not not anybody else because mm. part of our like image is it's a family owned it's family run and that's part of our value of our coffee value
0: wow and it's, a, I mean, fifth generation. Fifth generation, yeah. 140 years of coffee history here. Yeah. And I know there was some uh, struggles to actually keep the farm. Uh, obviously, there was a war in El Salvador. There was a war in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. yeah. Until the 90s, to
1: be honest. Really, really bloody, really bad. War. Like, this area was really affected by the by the war. I mean, you saw the house before, right? The house yeah. was full with bullet holes. Yeah. It was completely destroyed and bombed. And uh, you almost
0: lost the farm, I guess. Yeah. The family.
1: Yeah. My family used to have another farm uh I think it's in, in this area still, but but it lost it to to the
0: to the war, yeah, but then you managed to kind of <laughs> take care of it, yeah in the end well you see now it's it's been my 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 dad's uh, legacy to be honest, like he took it this farm to another level, yeah, yeah, that's for sure, I yeah, mean, for sure he took it to another level, even though it doesn't seem like it because there's some old houses still here, uh, yeah. uh, that has always been here, but yeah. um yeah, you know, I remember it was just the patio and the wet mill. That, that was show. it. Yeah. And a few d- drying beds. He was making natural coffees for Taro Suzuki. For Taro Suzuki, Japan. yeah. Japan. And uh, he was really, really uh, fell in love with that. And yeah. I remember like in the first years he said, oh Tim, but if I mix some of the naturals with the washed, you get really, really delicious coffees. And you I was like, like uh, ah, no, no, do not do that. <laughs> and then we were cupping it and we yeah. always cut blind. And yeah. then I realized, well, he was right, you know, he was yeah. able to really design tasty yeah, coffees tasty only coffees. with bourbons yes um and they, because all the pacamara went to the cup of excellence
1: yeah and i don't think blending pacamara like washed pacamara naturals works maybe
0: you have too high acidity maybe yeah maybe Oh, yeah. well, there's a market for everything that is true <laughs> 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 That's real, yeah <laughs> some people will probably like it. yeah wow great anything yeah. else you want to talk about see that we haven't mentioned oof I guess
1: i guess we call a lot of topics i guess uh, as a life lesson uh, i encourage people to step out of your comfort zone take risks because life is short and you get really good things out of taking risks
0: yeah yeah you talked about that yeah. uh,
1: yesterday but this is i guess one of the big risks you took i told you early in the morning like probably it's been the most stressful hardest years of my life yeah. but it's when i've been the happiest and it's funny
0: I mean, I can't imagine how we can be stressed in a right environment. It's like this. <laughs> yeah, you wake up with the sun, you have coffee yeah. on top of a little. Yeah. You know, uh, there's nothing stressful about yeah. it. But I guess there's a lot of economic stress. Economic uh, stress. It's a huge financial
1: re- responsibility. Yeah. But like, I've been really happy. It's like, I just enjoy. And I realize I'm really passionate at this, so it's it, it makes my, my job easier. And how many full-time employees do you actually have here so full-time at the f- the mill really i think it's around like 10 full-time and then the other ones for like part-time like uh, coffee dryers and beds people working at, at the wet mill, dry meal and, and the pickers mm. and at the office at the moment i believe we are eight so it's a livelihood of a lot of people yes that depend on it's you. not only 70 people it's 70 families if you look at it so when i got back i realized okay it's not only me and my family Eight seventy families. Yeah, that depend on this.
0: Wow, economic place. And uh, we t- touched a little bit on the, like the costs of uh, production and everything. I guess you actually have a good overview. Yeah, of wh- how much it costs to produce coffee. Yeah, and you mentioned yesterday it was around two dollars. Two dollars ish, almost. Yeah, around yeah. But that's for like the that's basic for, for basic and they have to add all the uh, like
1: the dry mill yeah and then the export costs so it costs up to like you know almost almost three dollars and, and a half
0: around so and how can you survive with that when you know the market price for coffee and i'm talking about the commodity price yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is not really the market price for quality coffee but mm-hmm. uh, you know the market price for commodity coffee is yeah. normally between one and two dollars yeah that's what i told you maybe because i what I
1: don't come from a really strong coffee background all my life yet. I just, it makes no sense to me. It makes no actual sense, like, it's just like so ridiculous to impose a fixed price on something that takes a lot of labor and effort, and nowadays like a talk before, costs a lot of the roof, so it makes no absolute sense to like fix coffee on, on that price. No, I Makes mean. no
0: sense. It's the, it's exploitation, that's Ex- what it is. Complete exploitation, yeah. yeah. And uh, it's an old system that needs to go away. Yeah, a lot of things in the industry needs to, to go away because they're too old and they don't really work for what we're experiencing right now at this moment. Yeah. And you mentioned fertilizer costs have tripled. They tripled. So I know the number, but maybe you can tell yeah. the number. How much you spend on fertilizer per year on a farm like this? So
1: let's do numbers. Let's say, um, I think my father was spent purchasing uh, a bono a fertilizer for like 27 dollars uh, the quintal now we're paying almost 70 to 80 dollars
0: per quintal and in total per so year you're spending like to, to 70k so seventy thousand dollars in fertilizers yeah. yeah and people still don't understand why i am fixed on organic <laughs> right, right <now. laughs> my, my um, compost is literally the only cost that i have is my labor yeah. yeah and i do buy a little bit of wood chips but they're like it that's a waste product for a yeah. carpenter. So it's easy to get. And that means 70k only on the on the, on the pro- actual product. I have
1: to co- put in the, the labor cost of it. Yeah. That's extra labor. So I don't even want to talk about numbers right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it, just like uh, I read in a Norwegian newspaper uh, the, last summer, and I actually used this in a lecture that I had for uh, organic movement in Norway. Yeah. And I just showed the headline. It was like a farmer is almost to give up because his fertilizer costs to have you know tripled and mm-hmm. now he's paying like uh fifty thousand uh, dollars a year more, more in fertilizer cost and i'm like maybe you should start thinking about doing something different then because if you're not able to produce uh coffee or produce or whether it's carrots or potatoes yeah uh, profitably uh, with that cost maybe you have to find another way because there are other people doing it in a different way yeah. that don't have this cost no uh, and I'm not kind of uh, saying that organic is the, uh, well I believe it's the only way in the future but yeah. uh, it has to be done properly so you need to have proper knowledge to do it, you can do it in a way where it doesn't benefit your production or the quality of the soil or anything yeah. so you really have to have good education just like with the fertilizer, exactly. you still have to have good ed- education about it. But it's, it's funny because we, we have to, this is
1: my, my, my metaphor of the, of the day, we have to be like a uh, salmons we have to go against the currents yeah we're so used to going with the current like fertilizers why don't we go against the currents think outside of the box yeah organic take risk take risks yeah yeah it's
0: and cool. uh, you're fortunate that you don't have to do it for the whole farm yes at once. I, I get to try in small lots and then yeah. scale year by year yeah and this is what i'm kind of trying to convince people with my own farm yeah. and I guess so far I've produced 30 kilos <laughs> in does. seven years so <laughs> it's not very convincing but, uh, but
1: it, it's patience
0: like you say it's not gonna be like uh, an, an immediate thing no and I have to learn For how sure. to do it yeah I was just visiting uh, and I mentioned this earlier on earlier podcast I was visiting a farmer in Guatemala yeah Jose Morales uh, in Antigua and he's actually doing kind of the same methods that I'm doing a little bit more advanced maybe. Mm -hmm. And he's managing big farms just like your your Mm -hmm. farm. Uh, He's both doing conventional and organic because he doesn't necessarily own the farm. It's kind of he's renting the farm from families who own the farm. Uh So he's running it uh, and they kind of get a percentage of the sales. sales. But some of the families don't want to convert to organic. Although he's trying to convince them because in his experience, they produce better coffee, more dense coffee. Uh, so more kilos, mm-hmm. and uh, also the farms were able to re- recuperate faster after like too much rain or hurricanes. Yeah. So he was uh, like, for him there was no way back. But uh, obviously, yeah, of course, uh, like we discussed yesterday, uh, sometimes it's easy to change the farm, but the farmer is the most difficult part. His yeah. mindset <laughs> is the difficult part. Like you say, it was a lot of stubborn people out there. Yeah, and for good reason. Yeah. I mean uh, a lot of times, uh, you s- I see in Colombia, you know, if we get a visitor, uh, if an agronomist visits the farm, they always try to sell me a product. Yeah. And uh, then you have to ask, why is he trying to sell me this? Yeah. Does he have a commercial interest in it? Or, mm. you know, a lot of times they get a cut from the sales. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just end up being very skeptical to your yeah. advice. Yeah. Uh, and also, if you have been running a farm for, let's say, generations with a system that kind of works you don't want to change yeah like you said things that were working years ago
1: they don't work anymore so we like actually take action and and see how we can
0: overcome that that obstacle yeah leaf rust is a good example exactly yeah why do we have leaf rust in the first place well the trees aren't healthy exactly why aren't they healthy but because we feed them three nutrients you know three times a year yeah uh, so obviously they're not healthy. And no. uh, instead of getting to the source of the problem, we try to fix the problem by yeah. introducing hybrids. That can be part of the solution, but it's uh, definitely not the end of it because you see like uh, varieties that used to be resistant before mm-hmm. are not resistant anymore because yeah. the leaf rust uh, is evolving. Yeah, yeah. So we're um, asking the, the wrong questions. Yeah, yeah. Basically, exactly. we're just. Doing the same over and over and over again, expecting yeah. new results. Yeah. because
1: People ask me, like, is coffee um, very profitable? I was like, it, it is and it can be, but you have to really, really careful with, with your decision making, yeah.
0: financial making decision also. And so, yeah, and that's part of it. So, even for you, I mean, uh, you have clients who want to buy your coffee. Yeah. You probably have more uh, demand than you have supply. Yes. <laughs> uh, you have a f- world-famous name yeah renowned name high-quality coffees that are unique yeah and even for you it's a matter of taking good decisions to make a profit yeah 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 that says a lot I yeah think. so it's it's not about being people think it's oh, you have
1: for me you're probably loaded nah, I mean I get to have a good life like we're saying today it's a good quality of life but it's not about being rich it's about taking good decisions yeah uh, financial and you also have a lot of side business. A lot of side business, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you you import grain pro bags. Grain pro bags. I'm the official grain pro distributor here in, in Asomilar and Hotagayo as well.
0: Yeah. But I mean, uh, it says a lot when because we have a narrative in the coffee world saying that if you just focus on quality, you know, you will be profitable. No. But that's very often not the case. Not the case exactly. Yeah. Uh, very often the buyers don't have enough. the, the I mean the farmers don't Farm. have enough buyers. Yeah. Uh, sometimes the buyers are not willing to pay the actual price that it mm-hmm. costs to produce high quality. And I see that with Elias in Colombia. Mm-hmm. Like He produces more coffee than he can sell, and a lot of times he doesn't get good offers for those coffees. Yeah. Uh, and also, uh, he has to decide sometimes, you know, okay, uh, I can produce, let's say, 200 bags and sell those for a good price, but my total production is maybe 400 bags, so the rest of it we have to produce as cheap as possible. Yeah. Because the market price is low. It's low. Uh, and that's good decision making. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause, Logical. Because uh, if you just went on uh, producing it expensive and yeah. hoping, you know, yeah. uh, normally hope doesn't do it, you know. No. So it's a difficult job.
1: There, I, I realize there's like a, this like aspect of luck in coffee production. I don't know why. I feel there's, there's luck because I can like apply all the uh, necessary, let's say, chemicals and all that and do it perfect product
0: like processing methods but then i don't know how it's going to cup. so there's a huge lock aspect yeah yeah for sure i mean i always have this narrative yeah. and that is if you're a good producer even in bad years you produce good coffee yeah the coffees are going to be clean and sweet yeah uh, which is what i need in a good coffee yeah and then some years they might have a little bit more fruit flavor other years they might be a little bit more floral but but that's normal yeah yeah. you have variation yeah. but, uh, yeah. if you're a good producer you know how to at least get the coffee sweet and clean, mm-hmm. clean and uh, that's all I ask for actually when I buy coffee yeah uh, and you know I could be cherry picking coffee go to El Salvador every year cup through all the coffees in El Salvador and find the best one but yeah. it wouldn't be the same farmer every year yeah exactly no and you don't have any progression in yeah. quality standards if you just go around shopping like that yeah so that's why I've been loyal to your dad and now you, because I know the qualities we're uh, experiencing today. I told you the last two years, the coffees have been amazing, but it's the fruit of the labor that has been. Of um, previous years, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's just constant small steps to improve. Yeah, You know, be, be one year we started drying in shades, uh, the next year maybe he was uh, storing the coffee in Grain Pro yeah. to improve the freshness of the coffee. Yeah uh you know looking at different processing methods uh a lot of the clients were not so wild about the washed coffees but when he started doing the honey coffees you know a lot of clients really loved those those profiles so it's kind of these constant small steps to improve and
1: it's funny because i used to remember like when he first started into this business he was only 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 washed Because that was like the uh, industry standard because yeah. doing naturals and honey was like a sin. People were yeah. like, oh no, you're destroying it, you're ruining it. But it's funny how things have been changing a lot and he took risks. Yeah, for sure. Took big risks, he started doing naturals, started doing honey, started doing uh, fermentation. So
0: yeah, he took s- small steps. Actually it was uh, in the Cup of Excellence. Uh, they didn't allow for other coffees to be washed.
1: Yeah, only, I remember, yeah, only for us. You can do naturals or uh, honeys. Which was the golden days. <laughs>
0: you're a wash purist yeah but I mean in this farm where you don't have water uh, it doesn't make sense to demand you to wash coffees yeah Uh, although I asked for it yeah uh, I'm still and this is why we actually buy some honey coffees here uh, because uh, I know the situation and you have to kind of cup the coffees with an open mind and if they taste clean and nice you know I don't really care how it was processed yeah um, but if it's like overpowering for me, then it's not so appealing to me. Yeah. But it's really appealing to other clients that you have. You know. Yeah. So um, there's no right or wrong here. It's just a way to to cater for more markets and yeah. you know it, it really puts your uh, father's name on the map. I think he yeah. was uh, he was not the first one to do it, but he maybe here in this area and in the country, I think he was probably the, the one of the first ones. Yeah. yeah. I, I actually, there was a tradition to do naturals in the past. Yeah. I remember I learned uh, about El Salvador in the early 2000s when it kind of started to become an origin yeah. you could buy from again. Yeah, uh, they were talking about you know in the old days you know everyone was raving about the natural processed coffees yeah. from El Salvador, but now it's only washed and everyone's like oh so sad and you know. oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, I guess now it's back.
1: Yeah. And I told you, on the car driver. Um, I feel like the injuries is going back towards the classic, the classic, sorry, in, in quotations, classic
0: uh, profile. To yeah. Wash coffee, clean, clean cups. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah. I don't really care as long as, they're, uh, as, long as, as, as I access. access it. Yeah. That's what I care yeah. about. Uh, I think diversity is fun. Yes, it, um, it makes the job f- interesting. Yeah, and uh, I, you know, one of the first coffees that really blew my mind, was monsoon malabar which today is not a product that i like it's very musty and very often moldy coffee uh, it's a coffee they produce in india where they uh, kind of store it in in the climate during yeah. the monsoon period so the coffee kind of get aged so yeah. it tastes pretty woody and so Malabar is the variety uh, no malabar is the process the process yeah so it's a way to kind of age the coffee uh-huh. and if it's done well it can taste you interesting. know interesting interesting it's, it's low acidity also? I think it's washed yeah I think it's always washed yeah um, but uh you know I used to love that and it used to be the thing in Norway and yeah. today most people don't enjoy that coffee uh, they prefer more acidity and fruity flavors there's no right or wrong yeah it's just my tastes have evolved yeah uh, but that's you know a coffee that I today would never consider buying mm-hmm. but it was the coffee that got me in, interested in coffee yeah
1: i uh, never asked you before, but what coffee do you use to compete when you won the, the
0: championship? Well, I, actually before I won the championship, yeah. I competed two times in the Worlds yeah. uh, with a blend that had Montu Malabar in it. Really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, so I enjoyed that coffee. Um, but when I competed and won, uh, I, one of the feedback that I got from the judges when I didn't win was that my coffee wasn't good enough. Uh, So it was not really a taste that was uh, accepted outside of Norway uh, as much. So uh, I actually went to Italy to see what, uh, because then we thought Italy was the cradle of espresso, (laughs) which is kind of is, but uh, not maybe modern espresso. Yeah. Uh, So I went to visit Italy and uh, different roasteries, some importers, and uh, looking at what they were kind of buying in terms of coffee and how they roasted it. I started experimenting with roasting myself. Um, and kind of created a blend because back then we believed that espresso had to be a blend um, and it had to be like seven components yeah that was the italian recipe seven and components. i <laughs> went crazy and i only had like four components it <laughs> was crazy you know seven components so i based it on a, a natural mm-hmm. processed coffee from brazil mm-hmm. um, i was accessing the coffee that solberg had because i was working for a company that they owned so they used to buy like aged brazil, uh, aged brazil yeah. yeah so golden santos they call it yeah santos is a harbor so yeah. they don't produce coffee yeah. but it was aged so it was low acidity no fruitiness you know just woody yeah. woody yeah that was the taste in norway back then flat and, coffee um, yeah and the copper at solberg that he loved those coffees <laughs> um, but i uh, managed to persuade them to buy uh natural brazil that was fresh yeah because uh, i had been to brazil on a trip and tasted that and i really loved that flavor profile so it was fruity but also still kind of chocolatey mm. and then i had colombian coffee but with no address it was like colombian excelso which means you know export quality, export quality. Um, which was very fruity yeah and then i had el salvadoran coffee uh, from a farm that they called bourbon jungle bourbon jungle but the the real name of the farm is el condor el C- Okay. and it's bourbon yeah and it was really good uh, and then i had some kenyan coffee yeah for more fruit and acidity and this that's was crazy And it's a big salad <laughs> i remember i was people said i was roasting too light but the roast profiles were like 19 minutes and it was roasted just to when second crack started
1: 19 minutes yeah. that
0: sounds oily yeah <laughs> and uh i took it out just when i heard the second crack and that was considered light you know what this was 2004 so so the coffee it, right now must be like, like just like pure vegetable. Just like yeah, yeah. <laughs> and people said like the coffee was sour and everything but uh, when I brewed it well it was really fruity and yeah. different and um, I think that's really what made me be able to win because it, it really stood out, yeah. uh, although it was a blend. And uh, we had an issue with the crema, believe it or not. <laughs> so uh, During the uh, uh, competition? Or yeah, really? so uh, I actually mixed in a little bit of Robusta. Just to stabilize Simply. it. Right? <laughs> you couldn't taste it, so I didn't mention it, but uh, it's a secret that I kept. <laughs> now it's all exposed. Now it's out there. <laughs> um, but then for the signature drink, I actually used a single origin espresso from... I'm gonna let you guess the origin. You will have uh, three trials. The, the what? The, the, the coffee? Yeah. Espresso. You will never, you will never ever guess where it was from. Was a single-origin coffee. it Was very sweet, mm-hmm. very chocolatey, but also had this kind of deep, ripe, kind of purple fruit flavor. Wow! So a little bit whiny chocolatey. Can you guess? G- give me a hint. It was washed. Washed. Altitude was three hundred meters. Was it Indonesia or? You're getting close. Sumatra. Not close enough. No. You have to go further south. Further south
1: has to be like in the in the
0: Asia. Isn't it? Asian mm, coffee maybe. Yeah. Close to Asia. Close to Asia. Yeah. It's a big island. One of the biggest islands in the world. It's a continent maybe. Australia. Australia? Yeah.
1: No <laughs> way. <Yeah. laughs> From a Australia. farm
0: called Mountaintop. It was not really a mountaintop.
1: I know somebody competed with Australian coffee this year in 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 Australia. I think there you so. Go. Yeah.
0: yeah. I mean back then it was a farm run by a guy called uh, Andrew something Andrew Ford and uh, it was like Brazilian model mechanical picking and everything and uh, the coffee was actually you know to that standard we had back then it was really good maybe today I wouldn't enjoy it as much crazy how things have changed wow but it it was just like almost a coincidence because for some reason Solberg had bought some bags I just tested it once in the roaster yeah uh, and the roast was a little too dark I thought <laughs> um, and then uh, I was supposed to roast more but the roaster broke we had like a belt driven roaster and the belt broke and we couldn't fix it in time and uh, so I just tested the coffee with the signature drink and it really matched well so mm-hmm. I thought okay let's, let's just, go just, for just it. use it uh, and I, I guess it, I won so that's right yeah but it was really a different time back then. This is almost 20 years now. You won 2003, four. Four it was, and uh, you know it was a couple of accents have been around for a few years, mm-hmm. but uh, single-origin coffees were not really a thing. I think everyone, people were still competing with like Illy coffee mm-hmm. blends. Blends, because uh, uh, now blends, what I've heard, like there's like some loving, loving hate for, for blends. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't mind the, for me, it's not interesting to drink a blend. Yeah. I like to taste the taste of place, I Exactly, guess. yeah. The, the the actual origin. Yeah. But I guess we do blend on farms, like uh, we mix lots together. Yeah. So blending is kind of something that we do, but um, I just don't want to, I know how much work you put into the coffee and I don't want to kind of cover that by blending it with something else. Exactly. I want to taste the fruit of your labor. Yeah for me that's interesting but yeah. um, there's no right or wrong here exactly it's, yeah that's opinions for for and tastes for yeah for and everything. I guess if you're buying more generic coffees then blending can make it yeah. taste better yeah. so um, yeah but uh, I think in our segments, you know I would never buy the best coffees uh, cuvee of a Bordeaux wine and mix it with the, <laughs> the best cuvee of an Italian wine yeah no no oh god no way no way um but I guess there's a lot of blending in wine as well. Yeah. Cool. Anything else? I think we have talked for a long time. One hour and 19 Wow, minutes. time really flew two. by. Yeah. <laughs> we try to keep these episodes around an hour, but... Um, One 120. Some Sometimes people like them to be longer. Yeah. <laughs> I guess uh, I've learned a lot, at least, from talking with you. I, did, me, me I have too. to say I didn't really know you personally. I met you. I mean, you were a teenager the first time I. We've met you. known for uh, like fourteen years now, yeah. right? But I feel like more the old man who just came and. <laughs> to visit and- I mean, I, m- I met you when I was probably in high school in, in, in school. Yeah, and then yeah. you went to college. I went in to the college.
1: US. We briefly met each other when you co- gave me a visit, but like, only for like, two days. We yeah. didn't
0: really get to talk. Yeah, about coffee and business. But things have changed now. And uh, sorry to say, but you were a teenager. Oh yes, <laughs> well, I was a teenager. Yes. <laughs> So I'm not so interested in dad's Mm. friends. Nope. (laughs) Nah. (laughs) Hello, this old guy is here again. (laughs) That's okay. Yeah. I uh, totally understand. Yeah. uh, I'm I'm super happy to see that you're back on the farm. Yeah. I really hope that this will be a project for you that will, uh, you know, bring a lot of good things in your life. Yeah. And uh, I think so far he has brought good things personally
1: and and in many senses. So I think the future looks bright here.
0: Let's hope. Let's drink coffee to that. You yeah. should go and make some more coffee. I'm down, yeah. yeah. Should we try uh, uh, a... Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Diego. And uh, to the listeners, thank you so much for listening in. I'm sorry about the noise, but we are listening to the noise of a... The dry mill. A, a dry mill, yeah. Uh, and also birds and motorcycles. Motorcycles, everything. <laughs> That's the way of life on a farm. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping you enjoy this episode because uh, in two days I'm actually going to the Caballeros in Honduras. This is my normal trip. I will go to visit you first and then uh, I will drive to Honduras and then uh, I'm also visiting Hobnil at Nascimento, so we'll try to record podcasts with them as well. Nice. And uh, I think, you know, uh, as a coffee person, uh, I personally enjoy the coffee more when I know more about the farm and the farmer. Uh, It gives me more pleasure to drink a beverage where I know the people behind it. Yeah. That's for me also a part of quality. Value. Quality is not just the taste in the company. Mm-hmm. It's also knowing how it was produced. Yeah, if it's produced by good people. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully the listeners will feel the same way. Yeah. And uh, we don't have a coffee from Los Pirineos at the moment, but hopefully by the time this episode is out, there might be a little bit yes available. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Diego. Thank you, too Thank you, guys. Until next time. Have a good day.